What is going on, everybody? It is Norm coming to you with another episode of Scruffy City Sports, and this is episode 6-0. Not sure what that would be in any other foreign languages, but in the good old English, which is, I don't know if I speak English, but it's close, close enough, I guess you could say. It's number 6-0. Everyone stand up, unless you're driving, uh, or, or, you know, just if you're stopped at a red light, give us a clap. Milestone episode number six zero of me rambling about, you know, who knows what, who knows where we're going to go today. I am prepared and all at the same time, very ill prepared. So who knows where this journey will take us. I do know that I'm going to talk about something that I don't rarely talk about, and that's motorsports. That's going to be the front liner. We have some new buffer music. So we're going to do buffer music, Motorsports, buffer music, UT sports, buffer music, something else, close this out song. Everybody knows what's happening. I feel good. I feel composed. Oh, wait a minute. One second. It is currently 79 degrees as I record this podcast on May the 15th. 2022 or 2022. I guess you couldn't say 2020. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, Norm, buffer music, new stuff, new buffer music. And then uh, we're going to uh, talk about something really quickly. This is not normal buffer music. This is buffer music for this new section. And then we will, I'm, I'm moving forward. headphones on and you had this really loud, although I do, I feel like I do a really good job of keeping everything, you know, where it's even to where we don't, you know, making your eardrums bleed or anything like that. But that was my good buddy G and uh, his MK4 Supra, the old 2JZ. At one point in time, Brian Spillner owned Dominic Toretto, a 10 second car, and he pulled up in the junkyard and they opened the hood and 2JZ. If you know, you know on that. G, thanks for doing a little burnout music there for us. Uh, miss you, buddy. But uh, thank you so much for uh, letting me stick my iPhone dangerously close to your car the other day while you were doing a burnout, leaving the old uh, Harper auto show at the mall. And I'm kidding on all that, except for the part where I do miss G. Buddy, miss you. Hope you're doing well. Anyway, let's talk about your, your norm. What is what is a super sound? What even was that sound I heard? What are we going to talk about? I want to talk about something that's come near and dear to my heart. We've teased it for the last couple of episodes. It is motorsports. Any any kind of motorsports. I, back in the day, you know, years ago, 20, 20-ish years ago, man, I'm getting old. Uh, I went to Bristol one time. It was a spectacle. It was a lot of fun. It was in NASCAR's peak NASCARness. Uh, but over the years, I've kind of stopped watching NASCAR. I'm going to be honest. It's extremely hard to find on one of the 58 streaming services I have. It's not like it's pronounced on Fox or NBC or Peacock or Hulu or whatever Joe Blow's streaming service you have to have to watch these things. And so last week they were at Dover. Uh, and had a race. There was an incident with Joey Logano and some other guy driving the Jeff Gordon uh, DuPont car. Joey Logano hit him. I was all for it. I feel like NASCAR needs more spectacles like that to draw in fans like me that don't really watch it. I, I just feel like they need that. They also need something similar to Drive to Survive, a NASCAR version. I mean, who's not going to love that? I mean, when I scroll on TikTok on a Sunday afternoon, there's lots of mullet wearing, you know, good old boys down there watching NASCAR races with their mullets and mustaches aflying, their M&Ms going. And I just feel like they need that. I mean, what hooked me on Formula One 
is Drive to Survive on Netflix. It's been going on for four years now. They just signed a deal to do two more years exclusively on Netflix. I'm sure someone is going to pay pretty pennies to try to get that off of Netflix and onto Sky or whoever, ESPN, someone is going to botch that once it leaves that platform. But it is fantastic. The deep dive, the drama, how they build things. Now, I will say the timelines get a little quirky on that show, but I'm here for it and I really enjoy it. So you're like, Norm, why are you telling us all this? Well, I want to tell you this because motorsports viewership is up. It's it's up more than it has been in, in recent years. And for the Dover race, I'm sorry. I'm saying Dover. I mean, Darlington. It starts with a D. I'm close enough. I know you don't come here for this information. The Darlington race. Darlington, not Dover, Norm, you dummy. So anyway, so viewership for that was up. And also viewership for the Formula One race in Miami, which was a whole spectacle. We could have a whole podcast about that fun stuff, was up as well. In the 18 to 49 demographic, both showings had over 2 million viewers, which is fantastic. You're like 2 million viewers, man, 2 million people watch, you know, a commercial on Hulu. Well, I'm telling you what, the sport was dead. NASCAR was dead. You can argue with me all you want to. If you can't find it easily on six different streaming services, it's dead. I don't know what they're doing. There's lots of controversies on all that stuff, NASCAR. But I'm telling you, viewership is up, and I feel like you should be enjoying these things. Let uh, Joey Logano hit somebody. That's what I'm here for. Rubbins Racing, Cole Trickle taught me. And a Cole Trickle, what's his name? Uh, The guy, Days of Thunder, Tom Cruise, Cole Gosh, I can't think of his name, but I'm going to run with it. We're not going to look it up real quick. But I'm telling you, Rubin's racing. It's good for it. The Miami Grand Prix, the GP, people have told me, people have said, Norm, call it the GP. That way you don't sound like a dummy. GP was fantastic. Things I want to talk about that really quickly, and then I'm going to move on because I know I'm rambling on this. How many people were on the paddock? That's the, 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 like the opening the garage lanes for you uninitiated. Tons of people on the paddock. You had David Beckham. You had the kid from Duke that we got confused for Patrick Mahomes from the guy on Formula One. Uh, you had the Williams sisters. You had, uh, 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 what's his name? Another one. Yeah. DJ Khaled cut a promo for it. It was a spectacle among spectacles. I don't know how all those people got down there. I enjoyed it. The race, rather boring. Most Formula One races are rather boring. We did have a little drama there at the end with a a safety car and all that stuff. But I am here to say one thing about that. Go George Russell. I don't know what he's doing, but he is phenomenal, driving phenomenal. Two, I don't know why the FIA is coming at Lewis Hamilton for his jewelry and his tattoos. I think that's silly and stupid. That is all I'm going to say about motorsports. We are jumping right into UT sports. Next weekend is uh, the Spanish Grand Prix. I will talk about that. I don't know where NASCAR is racing because I'm not on NASCAR TikTok. I'm on Formula One TikTok. So there's that. Norm, music, on to the next thing. Trips or T.I. He goes by Trips nowadays after his grandfather. I took a deep dive one day after seeing him on a Netflix show and wanted to know why they call him Trips and not T.I. His grandfather's name was Trips and he went by Trips to start off his career. So now he goes by Trips and not T.I. And I don't actually know if he's rapping anymore. That song's kind of old. But anyway, I will tell you what I know about the Tennessee baseball team. And that's that's all I'm going to tell you about. So uh, we could talk about Braves. Ronnie is hurt uh, or ish. His MRI came back negative today. Uh, 
Oh, Eddie Rosario is has eye surgery. I feel for his pain on more ways than one. Uh, for that, he is not expected to be back until after the All-Star break, which is middle of July. Manny Pena is out for the season with a wrist surgery. All kinds of Braves players are hurt. They're all hurt. The Smokies are still playing baseball up in Kodak or Gatlinburg or Sevierville, whatever you want to call it, down the road, not up the road. Some people would say from Knoxville. They are south of us, so it's complicated. You're going to go down the road, not up the road to see the Smokies. Get out there and see them. Taco Tuesdays, all-you-can-eat Wednesdays, Thursday Thursdays, fireworks Fridays, something's on Saturdays, and something always special on Sunday. All right, let's talk about Tennessee baseball because I know that is what you wanted to hear from Norm. They played a three-game set against a top 25 proverbial team in the Georgia Bulldogs this this weekend-ish. It was another Thursday, Friday, Saturday baseball series at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And let's just dive into it. I know I've said that several times now, but I really am going to dive into it. So I'm going to keep the format that we've had for the last several weeks, which I want to give you a quick preview, talk about the games, share my news and notes, and then wrap it all up in a pretty little bow, send it on its way and, and, uh, you know, struggle to say what I'm going to, how I'm going to end the podcast. Does that sound good for you all? We're at the 10 ish minute mark, depending on if I cut out a section, cause I rambled for a minute, 10 ish minutes, let's go. Tennessee facing the Bulldogs. Tennessee is no longer a unanimous number one after taking a series loss last week. As you remember to Ken Suckey up there on North in the Commonwealth, we won't talk any more about that, but they are number one in the D one polls, which if you're in the college baseball rankings, D one is kind of I would say the most popular ranking system to go by. There's about six of them. Tennessee's number one in three and Oregon state is number one in the other three. So we'll see how that goes this week. Dropping one at home to a top 25 team. I don't think warrants us dropping a number one step spot. I know before I started this podcast, Oregon state had also lost a game to uh, Arizona this weekend. So I'm not sure how today's matchup goes. They are three hours behind us and I'm not going to keep up with college baseball on the left coast. Anyway, Norm, number one, already we talked about, they're not unanimous anymore. And my thoughts on this is, and some of the radio broadcaster hosts here in Knoxville have said, maybe it's not a good thing. If you've watched any SEC network broadcast, you have heard that the number one overall seed has never won it. Uh, it barely gets out of the weekend going into the College World Series. That's food for thought. I'm not sure if I'm buying that hoax or not yet. Tennessee's playing really good, and I don't want us to lose just to be a two seed. Just That just sounds silly. It really does. Like, I... I can't wrap my head around that, but again, sports talk hosts in Knoxville are saying that. And again, I'm not on board as of yet. Now, if Tennessee was to, you know, lose a couple of games to Mississippi mistake next week, then maybe I might buy that. But currently Norm is not. All right. The Georgia, Georgia Bulldogs preview quickly. They have one guy that is their ace, Jonathan Cannon. He is a cannon. He is a six, six Randy Johnson looking behemoth of an individual. They have him listed at six, six, two fifteen Georgia from Alpharetta, Georgia. He's a, he's a junior norm. He's not a Georgia. He's a junior from Alpharetta, Georgia. Sorry. That was a slip on my part. Uh, he is nine and one with a two thirty eight ERA and a seven. I'm sorry, a dot. Seven six whip. 
Let me read that again one more time. A dot seven six. That is that is really good, <laughs> really good uh, for his walks and plus hits in innings pitch. My favorite set of all time. He's pitched sixty four and two thirds innings going into this week's contest. Only six base on balls to fifty four strikeouts. He is giving up only only for the season eight doubles and four home runs. And batters are batting a cool one eighty six against him. He's got some mean stuff, but. On the broad side, uh, Georgia staff as a whole in the SEC has a 701 or a seven. I'm excuse me, Norm got Norm rushed. Deep breath. Georgia as a staff has a 707 ERA, a 167 whip. They have 208 strikeouts to 122 base on balls. So not a very high strikeout per ball ratio there. Uh, From what the deep dive I took is they had a lot of their main guys go down with injury earlier, and they kind of pieced together a lot of things, and that's why you see a high walk ratio. But anyway, moving forward, they've allowed 87 extra base hits. That breaks down as follows, 44 doubles, two triples, 41 dingers, and bat, or opponents are batting a 2-6-7 batting average against them. Georgia is hitting in the SEC. They are sixth, six, six-ish. Uh, baseball stats are very, I'm just going to be honest here, college baseball stats are not the easiest to find. And when you find them, they're not updated very regularly. We need, and, and this is a shout out to baseball reference, we need a college baseball reference. If you need me to spear line this, you need me to punch some numbers, data crunch here for you because we need that. We really, really need that. I need that. So I can easily come up with these stats instead of going to 16 places and trying to break it down. I will say that most universities, have, I'm, I'm derailing, I'm derailing. Uh, they have a 980 fielding percentage, which is about average for the SEC. Uh, it's not great. It's not terrible. It's average. And yes, I did stop mid-sentence there uh, to, to move on because I noticed I was rambling and none of y'all, okay. Uh, for this weekend, only things, uh, touch on previews for the balls, or the balls, balls, the balls, the V-A-W-L-S, balls. Uh, changing it up pitching-wise this weekend, uh, they started with uh, Dolander as their guy Thursday night, which I liked. Uh, some people have said, and I kind of agree, he's probably our best pitcher uh, on the staff. He has the best stuff. He throws the most strikes. He throws has the most strikeouts, uh, and, and I agree with that. Burnsy, and, and I've picked up new nicknames for these guys. Burnsy it's what Tony Vitello calls Chase Burns, and Titty, Blade Tidwell. Titty, that's with Ds, Ds. <laughs> anyway, so if you hear me refer to these guys as Burnsy and Titty, it's because Tony Vitello did an interview, and I'm sticking with it. He's he's I, I just model my life after Tony Vitello. Uh, so Thursday night, uh, Doley or Doe actually is what Tony Vitello calls him is Doe. Uh, Doe got the start Thursday night. Titty is getting the start thir- Friday, and then Saturday or we did not know at the time I wrote this down, but the the good old. The old fireman, the volunteer fireman, Ben Joyce, got the start on Saturday. It's good to see that. I was excited for it. I will talk more about that going forward. But let me let me let me keep keep talking here. I keep derailing. I'm in a good mood, and it's hard for me to stay focused. Uh, Trey Lipscomb came into the weekend just five home runs short from tying the single season record of 24 set by Sonny Cortez in 1998. However, he is currently 23 RBIs away 
from the single season record set by VFL and future Hall of Famer Todd Helton, uh, which was 92, set back in 1995. This is a pro Todd Helton podcast. He needs to be a Hall of Famer going forward. When Hall of Fame votes go out, I will be preaching on that going forward. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care if he played his whole entire career in Colorado, and the name escapes me, the Mile High Stadium, Coors Field, Coors Field, that's it. And I don't care. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Look at his numbers, compare him to somebody else, and he deserves to be in. Todd, I love you. Moving forward. Uh, Vols that have current on-base streaks going into this series, and a couple of them got broke. Trey Lipscomb's at 16 games. Cortland Lawson's at 13 games. Drew Gillibear Gilbert is at 12. Mike Concho at 9, and Seth Steven is at 9 as well. This season, Tennessee is 10-3 and versus ranked opponents, which includes a pair of sweeps over top 10 foes Ole Miss and Vandy, and winning the series over Auburn in April. Since Tony V became the skipper back in 2018, the Vols have posted 43 wins over ranked opponents opponents. This includes 20 wins over top teams ranked in the top 10. Six over top ranked teams, which is Ole Miss this year, three times, Arky last year, and Texas Tech in 2020, and Florida in 2018. Tony V is 43 and 41 with 13 series to date. Tony Vitello is the man. Uh, let's see. Uh, Vols, Vols bullpen has been dominant. They are posting a 2.19 ERA uh, with 218 innings pitched. And a give, or they have struck out 273 batters in those innings. The Vols have 13 relievers with a sub 3 RA. Tennessee also has six relievers with 19 or more appearances. Each of those six relievers have a sub 2.60 ERA led by the volunteer and fireman himself, Ben Joyce, with a 1.23 ERA. That changed this weekend, but I didn't go back and look at the stat. 12 of the 17 bullpen arms are averaging one strikeout per inning. The bullpen has been dominant, and that is a very good thing. Uh, you've got Volley Fingers, Will Mabry, uh, Ben Joyce, Cameron Sewell. Redmond Walsh, your, your kind of heavy hitters there, have all been dominant this season, and they stayed dominant this weekend with a little blunder uh, this week. But it's okay. I, I don't care because we uh, – home run leaders, and then we'll dive into the series because I'm getting lengthy here, and I apologize. Tennessee's top home run leaders. This, again, was before Thursday night's game. Trey Lipscomb leads the team with 19. Mike Concho has 13. Jarrell Hot Sauce Ortega has 11, and Luke Lipsius have 11. Now, this is a crazy stat, and this is a stat, again, prior to this weekend. Those five young individuals have combined for 54 home runs that totals more than 217 other Division I schools. So, for instance, they have more home runs than Georgia does on the season, those five guys. It's crazy. We are at 120, I think, home runs. I, I might be off by one. I think it's 120 home runs for the season. Ridiculous number, insane number. Keep swinging away. That's all I can say. All right, let's go into Thursday's game. Let me get you the recap, and then we will uh, you know, just do what we do. 
Dolander earned his first series opening start of the season and stifled the Bulldog offense in six innings of work, giving up just one run on three hits and striking out six. The sophomore right-hander who was making his first start of any kind since April the 16th was credited with the win, improving his record to 7-0 for the season. Redmond Walsh earned his sixth save of the season, retiring all four of the batters he faced. Coming out of the bullpen for the first time this season, Old Burnsy, uh, who replaced Dolander and struck out three batters in one and two thirds innings. Uh, I, speaking on that, just derailing for a second, I thought Burns looked okay. He got in a jam and I wish he could have battled there, but the game was on the line. So I understand why they pulled him out. I think it was fine. It's very experimental. Tony Vitello said it. We've got all four guys that are healthy going into Hoover. It's a good thing. It's okay to get him a couple innings of work this week. I'm fine with it. I'm not upset. I think he pitched just fine. Blake Burke, and speaking of Blake Burke, as I derail even more, Blake Burke, this, I am becoming a, a fan of Blake Burke. couple things, if you're on Vol Twitter, uh, Callum Vol has got a great, and a lot of people stole it, so I feel bad for Callum Vol, but he's he's a nice staple in the uh, Vol's Twitterverse, a good follow. If you're not following him, I suggest going following Callum Vol. But he put up the kid, which is Kid Griffey Jr., one of my favorite baseball players, and did a comparison swing of him and the kid compared to Blake Burke. King Griffey's swing next to Blake Burke's, and they are pretty much identical. It is a beautiful left-handed swing, something you could sit down and put on repeat on your phone for about six hours before you got tired of seeing it. Blake Burke, swing away, my friend. If I could get you on the podcast, I would. I am a big fan of yours and big fan of your work. Looking forward to seeing what you can do the next several years to come here on the Hill. But anyway, Blake Burke's two home runs on the evening and three hits overall led the wave offensively for Tennessee. Seth Stevenson was the only other ball to record multiple hits, registering a double and a single and a run scored. Tennessee scored one run apiece in the second and third and fourth innings to take control of the game early. Kick started by Trey Lipscomb's solo dinger to left center field. Georgia quickly answered with its own solo run in the top of the third inning from Cole Tate. Man, and those Tate, Tate twins, the TT twins, they were they were a thorn in our side all weekend, but they, they play good baseball. But the Vols, again, tacked on one run in the bottom of the third on a Jordan Beck RBI ground out that scored Seth Stevenson. We're going to talk more about Jordan Beck later. That's the only thing he did all weekend, foreshadowing and spoiler alert. Uh, Burt continued the scoring with the first of two home runs in the bottom of the fourth inning to extend Tennessee's lead three to one. And three innings later, added his second solo shot of the night, a blast over the right field wall that cleared the railroad tracks and put the Vols up by three runs. Georgia narrowed its deficit to two runs at four to two in the top of the eighth inning, but Walsh entered the game and recorded a strikeout against the first battery phase, stranding a runner on third base. Tennessee added an insurance run in the bottom of the eighth inning with Evan Russell singling through the right side, driving in a run uh, or driving in Drew Gilbert to give the Vols a three-rug cushion heading into the ninth. Uh, Highlights from that game, Trey Lipscomb reaches the 20 dingers on the season mark. Um, He is the first Vol since Cody Hahn to do so, and that was back in 2009. I think there are only six other Vols that have ever hit more than 20 home runs in a season. Uh, Redmond Walsh is just one save away from tying Todd Helton's all-time save record. And while we're talking about this, I think it would be fantastic if Redmond Walsh was able to break the save record and with several games. I mean, we've got three games left at Mississippi Mistake. We have a game, midweek game, and then we have Hoover, a deep run in the College World Series. I think he's able to do that. My only question is, Todd Helton did that in three years, and Redmond Walsh has been here for like five. 
I don't know if that deserves an asterisk. Redmond Walsh also leads the lead, our team in appearances, made that mark. I'm happy for him. I'm here for it. I think it's fantastic. I just think that that should be noted when I say that going forward, that Redmond Walsh has been here for about a decade now um, on that. But anyway, he's a fantastic reliever. Not sure if he's got big league stuff, but you know whatever he's going to do, I'm going to support it, and he is a VFL. Anyone on the baseball team is a VFL, in my opinion, these days. Attendance for Thursday's series opener was 4,580. Uh, that was tied for eighth largest single game crowd in Lindsey Nelson history of the top 10 highest attended home games in program history. Man, that was a mouthful and hard to say. Eight have come this season. So eight of the largest attendance games have come this season. Now, they did add more seats, so I can understand why they would come this season. But the crowds at Lindsey Nelson this season, series season have been fantastic. And you're like, Norm, what are you doing? I'm moving my microphone. I've, 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 I'm tired of sitting in the situation I was sitting in. So I move my microphone. Bear with me. All right, let's go to Friday's matchup. An offensive explosion in the middle innings propelled the number one or an offensive explosion in the middle innings propelled Tennessee past Georgia Friday at Lindsey Nelson Stadium as the Vols quenched their final home weekend series of the year with a 9-2 win. The Vols also clinched at least a share. At the time this was written, at least a share. They are now the overall SEC champions. Thank you, Vander, Vandy boys, for doing that. And thank you, Arkansas, for losing. Uh, there was some post-game things that said they were going to make some noise throughout the season uh, in the SEC. I guess the noise was that they didn't make any noise at all. Shout out to the Arkansas fans there. And speaking of Arkansas fans, while I've completely derailed from this uh, podcast, did anyone see the video of the Arkansas guy grabbing the raccoon at their stadium the other night? I mean, just full-fledged grabbed it by the neck, holding it up in the stands. What are y'all doing down there in Arkansas? I mean, I'm going to be praying for y'all. That's the only thing I can say there. As I'm praying for Arkansas baseball and Arkansas fans, just in general as a whole. I might even ship some holy water down there. That's just concerning. One, that there's a raccoon in the stadium. And two, that you thought it was a great idea to grab it behind the neck and show it off to everybody. I'm pretty sure raccoons have rabies. I mean, I did, lots of things happening there that I don't really know what to talk about. Anyway, moving on with the recap. After being held scoreless through the first three innings, Tennessee erupted for eight total runs in the next three innings while allowing just one Georgia run after the Bulldogs' second batter of the day in the top of the first hit a solo home run. For the second game in a row, Tennessee player hit two, a Tennessee player hit two home runs. This time it was Evan Russell who got us free carbs on the weekend. Evan Russell. If you don't know, and I said it last week, if Evan Russell hits a home run, go to your local Wiggles. I'm sorry, Woggles. <laughs> I like to call it Wiggles. Woggles, and get you can get a free donut as long as you got one of their reward cards. And then if you're anywhere near Whimsy Cookie, you can get a free cookie. So take full advantage. And thank you, Evan Russell, for hitting two dingers. So I don't know if you got two donuts and two cookies. I'm not sure how that works. Probably just limited it to one. But anyway, I digress. The graduate senior had two run shot in the bottom of the fourth to give the Vols a lead and then a solo home run in the seventh inning. Hot Sauce Ortega was also active on offense, recording three hits and driving in three runs, one apiece in the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings. On the mound, Camden Sewell was credited for the win uh, for Tennessee after logging three innings of work as the first ball out of the bullpen. Titty got the start for Tennessee, but struggled early, but recovered to finish with a final line of four innings pitched on four hits and surrendered one run and six strikeouts. Mark McLaughlin and Kirby Connell, 
Finished off the game for the Vols, each going an inning and allowing zero combined hits in the final two innings. The stash of Volley Fingers, Volley Fingers is Kirby Connell, is fantastic. He pitched Saturday and was dominant as well. He is on his game, and I am excited for it. Uh, following his quad star, blah, 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 blah. Tennessee won. Sorry, I, I, I feel like I'm getting long and people don't care at this point in time. Tennessee won 9-2 to Friday, clinching the series for us going into Saturday's contest, which means... We took the series, so don't really care about Saturday's game. You do care. Georgia's not been swept all season long, and that goes to prove on their start on Sunday. Georgia did take the win, 8-3. to three. Sat- I said Sunday. I meant Saturday on Saturday's win. Credit to Georgia for bouncing back and playing good baseball. I mean, they have got a really good team. Uh, a lot of fifth-year guys, I think the majority of their players are fourth and fifth year seniors that have been there forever, just hard nosed. They didn't quit. So credit to them for, you know, playing on. I mean, they could have very easily just tanked it in talking about Georgia. Jack Gowan has got some flow. He's got some amazing. Listen, this is not a Georgia Bulldogs podcast by any means, but I do respect the flow when I see the flow, but Jack Gowan has got a mean mustache and a mean mullet. And I loved every second of it. Lots of dudes on Georgia were rocking some beautiful mustaches. I am here for it. Love the stash. Bring it back. It looks phenomenal. I just wish I had enough hair to grow on my head to grow out a mullet. Because trust me, if I could pull off that look, the mullet, the pit vipers, the stash, the painted on Wranglers, I would do it every day. Just here for it. All right, let me hit you with some. I I, I talked about highlights from the um, game on Saturday. Georgia won. That's really all I have to say. What I really want to talk about this weekend, and I called out Luke Lipsius. Last week and Jordan Beck, Luke Lipsius responded this weekend. Uh, he batted a cool three of nine, which is a 333 batting average for you, those of you uninitiated. Uh, he did have four walks and three strikeouts, but it was good to see Luke look like Luke. He battled really well, had some professional hits or professional at bats, as some would say, but you know, worked a couple of O2 counts into full and even several walks off those and home run off one of those as well. So I'm glad to see. Nick Luke Lipsius, who listens to the podcast, listened, responded. Now, this section of the podcast is what I like to call the curious case of my concho. Not Benjamin Button starring Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett, but the curious cakes, curious cakes. Curious, man, you can see where I am. I, I, I got a sweet tooth all of a sudden. The curious case of my concho. I put on my analytics hat, which is my favorite hat to put on. I love numbers. I love math. I love deep dive. So let's go back a few weeks. Let's go back four weeks, shall we? Let's go back to the Florida series at Gainesville in the swamp. Here's Mike Concho's numbers. Mike was three for 14 with one double, no walks and three strikeouts. Three for 14, Norm. What does that break down to? I'll tell you, that breaks down to a 214 batting average. Not bad. Not great. You know, in baseball, remember, folks, we celebrate failing 70% of the time for guys that hit 300. So baseball is a fail, fail first sport. So remember that you applaud people that fail 70% of the time in baseball. Just remember that when you're going forward, 70% norm. I don't understand. That means you're batting 300. Okay. Then we go to the Auburn series. He was five of 13 with two doubles, one home run, one walk, two strikes, batting a cool 385. Norm, that's not bad. Good weekend. Good weekend, Mike Concho. And then now, mm, going back to Kentucky last week in the Commonwealth, he was one of 12, 
The only hit he had was the three-run bomb in the Saturday game. He had three walks and five strikeouts. That is a 0.83 batting average. So it's a .083 batting average, which is below the Mendoza line, which is somewhere you don't want to be. Then we go into Georgia. And this, I, I, I had to read this three times. He was 0 for 10 with two walks and five strikeouts. 0 for 10, easy math, is a zero batting average. His only RBI had was on a ground out sacrifice to score around Thursday night. Now, I say all that to say this. Over his last four games, Mike Concho is 9 for 49 with three doubles, two home runs, six base on balls, and 15 strikeouts. That is a 184 batting average. That is concerning to me. Aside from, I mean, he struggled at Florida, but aside from the Auburn game, it's not, it's, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. So my concho, I don't know what we need to do. I don't know if it's time to shave the mustache. I don't want to cut that beautiful flow. I, maybe it's time to put two left socks on, you know, so you're always, you're always turning left when you're around the bases. I don't know if it's time to change up our, our breakfast. I told Luke to do a Cajun filet with egg at Bohanglaze. Maybe it's time to hit up Chick-fil-A. Do two spicy chicken biscuits, throw out the biscuits, just eat the, the breast. Just eat the filet. <laughs> Norm, go, go to Chick-fil-A, get two spicy filets. You don't need those carb biscuits. Just do the filets, my man. Maybe get it in a hash brown bowl. Change it up a little. Maybe, maybe we go for, you know, change it from Coke to Dr. Pepper. Maybe get wild and do a Pepsi. But we, we got to change up something. If you need a little pep doc for me, I'm here for you, my man. I, I believe that we're going to come out of this struggle together and we're going to be better for it. We're going to break out at Mississippi mistake. Honcho's going to go like six of 12. That's batting 500. He's going to have three dingers and like four doubles. That's seven. Six. He needs to go to seven for 14. Norm did the math in his head there really quickly and uh, didn't do a good job. But I have full faith in my Honcho. Look, some other guys struggled this weekend. It wasn't just Honcho. Uh, Cortland Lawson also struggled. He went two of nine. Hot Sauce also struggled a little. He went three of 12. So it's not terrible. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to get up, I guess, after you've, you've done so much all season long. You know, this, these guys have been unstoppable, essentially, aside from Kentucky last week on what's going on. So I, I don't know what it is. Maybe this just stiffening competition. Or what? But I think my concho is going to bounce back from this. I really do. I'm not concerned one bit uh, as for what my concho is going to do. So I'm not. I'm not worried. I just want to give you the numbers. I'm just throwing the facts out of there. No disrespect. My concho is a big guy. I'm sure he could take me with one swing. So I don't want to do that. But but again, it's alarming. It's concerning. I think he's going to bounce back. And when he bounces back, I will be the first guy to cheer him and applaud him and say, "Look at that man go." That's all I'm going to say. Really, really, that's, yeah, that's it. So anyway, going forward, we've got a Tuesday night, the last Tuesday, the last game of the season. So if you're going to get tickets this week, you should get tickets this week uh, to see us play Belmont Tuesday night, six o'clock at Lindsey Nelson. And then we travel to Mississippi Mistake 
uh, for a three-game set. That is also a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Everybody is playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week because good old Hoover is the following week. Uh, undecided, I think we're the number one seed. Yeah, we are the number one seed, so I think we'll play Wednesday afternoon at like 4.30. I will next week, obviously, give you the 100% correct rundown of that going forward. But it's going to be fun. Uh, podcast after that will be a little weird. I don't know how. We'll, I'll probably try and do a recap per game, uh, which is going to be like a podcast today, which is going to be a struggle for Norm, just going to be honest. So we might be doing some iPhone recording uh, and not on the big soundboard type thing. So the audio might sound like garbage and I'll probably get fed up and break all the audio out and do it that way. But Anybody knows what's happening here, it means the podcast is wrapping up because I'm rambling. I'm rambling, rambling, rambling. So to recap this week, one, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. As always, I do it for you all. I really do it for myself to hear myself talk for about 30 or 40 minutes. But really and truly, if nobody was listening, I would not continue to put out the podcast. So thank you as always for spending your afternoon, your morning, evening, good night with me. Whenever you listen, I appreciate it. Two, I'm looking for an outro song, so I'm kind of rambling. Two, um, when we talked about motorsports for a little while, I'm going to try and get the rooftop rocket on here for a segment going forward, uh, whether that's about NASCAR or his thoughts about F1 racing, whatever it is, going to try to do that. Three, still working on trying to get a special guest here. Might do that after the season wraps or the SEC tournament for that. Four, have a great day. Supposed to be hot in East Tennessee that going this week going forward. And really, that's all I got. I'm going to send it out really quickly. Everyone have a lovely week, and I will see you in the future. Mm-hmm.